Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today on the program, there's killers and thieves in Mississippi. We've got an Alabama Teamster on to talk about the tentative agreement right before voting wraps up on the 22nd. And then we have a national reporter on to come and give us the 30,000-foot view. All that and more on today's program. If you want to be part of the show today, we've got a phone number and the line is open, particularly at the beginning of the show, and then we're not going to be able to take more calls until overtime. But I have opened the phones at the beginning of the show just for a couple of bootlickers in our comment section on YouTube if they want to call in and explain to me. There's this one fella who was... (laughs) was commenting this morning saying, I'm a UAW member at Ford, and uh, I make too much money, actually. So if you want to come and make that case, then uh, then call into the show, 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. You can also leave us a voicemail throughout the week or send a text message, and we might respond to it on the next program. Uh, If you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap up here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, then you can find us anywhere you find anything online, in particular on our website, tvlr.fm. You're going to want to bookmark that page and sign up for our newsletter so that you can get uh, notified whenever we uh, want to tell you something. And in particular, sign up tvlr.fm slash contact so that you can get on our newsletter because I'm going to be sending out a reminder email today and tomorrow to pre-order our Join a Union t-shirt because we have to place the order by Monday so that we can get it, get the, uh, get the shirts in time to sell at our live show on September the 17th in Huntsville at Shenanigans Comedy Theater. Okay, so that's a lot, but the but, but the upshot is sign up for our newsletter. Sign up so we can contact you, tvlr.fm slash contact. We've got a really cool shirt, and you can only order it for two more days. tvlr.fm slash contact, tvlr.fm slash store to go ahead and order that shirt. Um, and then, of course, you can obviously find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, all at the Valley Labor Report. If you want to become a sustaining member of the program, 
you should go to tvlr.fm slash donate and sign up to make a monthly recurring automatic donation of whatever you can afford. Folks, it costs money to run this operation. We pay people uh, to support our work, uh, as in, you know, we pay people to uh, to do post-production stuff. We have to pay for this nice studio, and we have to pay to be on the radio on a couple of radio stations here in, in Alabama, and we think that's worth it but like i said it costs money so if you think that this is a worthwhile project then please do consider supporting the show yourself with a monthly donation of one dollar a month two three four five dollars twenty dollars a month whatever you can afford it really goes a long way because our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners so it really makes a difference um also, if you're a member of a union, then think about getting your local to sponsor the show. Because even though listeners are our largest single source of funding, the majority of our money comes from unions. And so we are, we're proud of that. We are not shy about that, that we are a union-funded radio program. Uh, we could not do this without, uh, without our unions, which what are unions? Working people. That's right. We are on the radio because of uh, the support, the financial support of working people, either through individual donations or from their unions. And so we're very proud of that. But uh, that means if you're a member of a union and you think that what we're doing is valuable, then please do uh, consider getting your local to sponsor the show. Absolutely. And let me add a disclaimer that any viewpoints or opinions expressed in this program belong solely to their author and do not necessarily represent any organization or sponsor. We welcome all of our listeners, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Unclaimed Mysteries Internet Radio, WVNN, WZZA, WHIV, or through your favorite podcast app. We are proud to be part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network and encourage our listeners to check it out. Absolutely. Thank you for the $2 from Strom. Solidarity from South Carolina. Really appreciate, appreciate that. Um, and so, uh, like I said, we've got a couple of great guests on the show today. And so we are going to go ahead and jump right into our first segment because, uh, believe it or not, the bootlickers have not called in. That's kind of the issue with the keyboard warriors. They're not so much interested in actually, you know, having to defend their ideas. So we're going to go ahead and jump in right into our first segment. Last week in Southern Labor, where we talked to you about what happened in Southern Labor in the last week. And we do that because workers are on the move all the time and we don't hear about it. We hear about every little press release uh, from the cops or from the Chamber of Commerce or all of this kind of stuff, but we never hear about what workers are doing. And so we try to remedy that uh, by talking to you about what workers are doing in the South every week. And so with that, let's jump into new election filings. 72 workers at Corsair Gaming in Duluth, Georgia filed for a union election with Teamsters, local 728. 18 fiber network technicians at Liberty Communications in San Juan, Puerto Rico filed for a union election with the Communication Workers of America, CWA. 14 workers at the George Washington Museum in Washington, D.C. filed for a union election with the Service Employees International Union, SEIU, Local 500. 175 workers at Compass Group, a bunch of restaurants, filed for a union election with Unite Here, Local 23. 11 baristas at French Truck Company in New Orleans, Louisiana, 
filed for a union election with the Teamsters Local 720. 21 workers at Bourbon Dog in Burlington, North Carolina, filed for a union election with the Tech Repair Union Local 1. 55 workers at Novo Health Services in Atlanta, Georgia, filed for a union election with Workers United. 64 workers at Yadkin Valley Telephone Membership Corporation in Yadkinville, North Carolina, filed for a union election with the Communication Workers of America. Five workers at Trident Military Systems in San Antonio, Texas, filed for a union election with the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, IAMAW. In front of the show, Chris Townsend reports that the Iron Workers local Local 5 is trying to organize 100 workers at Iron Fabrication Services on the north side of Alexandria, Virginia today. The company is fi- has already fired 30 workers as they continue to play legal games with the National Labor Relations Board to avoid an election date. Mm. There were also uh, several election results in the last week. 22 workers at Cargill in Kansas City, Missouri, voted 13 to 9 in favor of unionization with the United Steelworkers Union Local 617. 16 workers at Starbucks in St. Louis, Missouri, voted 14 to 2 in favor of unionization with Starbucks Workers United. Five workers at the Kogar Group in Washington, D.C., voted against unionization with the Governed United Security Professionals, one to four. Three workers at the Athens Banner Herald in Athens, Georgia, voted against unionization with the News Guild CWA, one to two. 248 workers at Amentum Services in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, voted in favor of unionization with the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, 141 to 43. Workers at Jacksonville State University right here in Alabama announced that they are unionized with the United Campus Workers, CWA, uh, and that is uh, they did not go through an election process because they are in the public sector and there is no public sector uh collective bargaining or unionization process in the state of Alabama. So if you want to be a union, you can be. Uh, you just gotta you just gotta do it. <laughs> and the collective bargaining process is not the same as in the private sector. And so, you know, there's going to be a, a little bit of difference in tactics at Jacksonville State University, just as there has been at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, where the United Campus Workers already has a strong presence. In strikes and bargaining, the Starbucks Workers United has wrapped up one week of streaming on Twitch every single day to talk about their bargaining demands. One bargaining uh, uh, demand every day, and they're talking about the issues around uh, the demands around these issues every day. So the first day was the right to organize, the second, health and safety, the third, no reductions and immediate access to benefits, the fourth day, wages and pay, the fifth day, high quality health care, sixth, guaranteed and consistent schedules, and finally, leave policies. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can go find Starbucks Workers United on Twitch and watch the VODs. There's no updates on negotiations between 1,400 CWA members and Frontier Communications in West Virginia. They extended the contract through the 19th of August, which the observant among you will note that is today. So the deadline is 1159, and they will either be... Uh, coming back to the membership with a tentative agreement, extending the contract, working without a contract, or going on strike 
tonight at midnight. Uh, so we should have an update tomorrow, and I'll try to make sure that that is in the newsletter, which reminds me, subscribe to the newsletter so that you can get what happens in Last Week in Southern Labor every single week directly to your inbox, tvlr.fm slash contact. Let us know that you want to get be on that newsletter. BCTGM bakery plant workers at IFF in Memphis are still on strike. I'm in touch with the president of that local, and we're going to try to bring him on the show here in the next couple of weeks. The UAW will hold a strike authorization vote with their members at the Big Three Automakers next week. The contract expires on September 14th, and UAW International President Sean Fain has indicated that he has no intention of forcing his members to work after the expiration, so we could be looking at a 150,000 worker strike in the auto manufacturing sector, which represents 3% of the United States GDP, according to some estimates. UPS Teamsters continue voting on their tentative agreement, and voting closes, and the votes will be tallied Tuesday, this week, on August 22nd. In politics and legislation, the prospect, the American prospect, has a new report out that the Democratic National Convention chairs law firm or consultant firm Dewey Square Group helps companies block labor laws. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't that great? Minion Moore, who is the Democratic National Convention chair, leads state and local affairs for the Dewey Square Group, who were paid millions of dollars last year by a Lyft-funded industry group fighting state labor protections. That's great. Love that for the Democrats. 80,000 Atlantans over in Georgia have signed a petition to have a referendum on the construction of Cop City, which is more than voted for the current mayor. More people want to vote on Cop City than voted for the mayor. So here's hoping that they are able to get that referendum. The construction of Cop City is being done by non-union contractors, and some unions have voiced opposition, at the very least, to the police violence against the protesters, if not the construction itself. The International Union of Painters and Allied Trades released a statement last month saying that they were, quote, proud to stand in solidarity during the height of the pandemic with the Black Lives Matter protests in Washington, D.C., and today we stand in solidarity with the protesters in Atlanta who are facing egregious and unnecessary violence by the Atlanta police force and others for simply disagreeing around matters of public policy. In internal union affairs, the American Federation of Government employees turned 91 years old last week. That's it for last week in Southern Labor. If we missed anything, then hit us up, tvlr.fm slash contact, and give us some information about uh, what we missed in uh, what we missed going on in the South, and we'll put it in the next newsletter. And you can also preemptively tag us on social media if you see something happening in the South that you think should be in this roundup of news from labor in the South. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. And we're going to be right back with Donnie Hellams. He is the chief steward at UPS in Madison for the Teamsters Local 402. And we're going to be talking to him about the tentative agreement, his thoughts on it, and how his membership is reacting. We will be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and family members are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough even to keep their jobs. 
we can fix this. It's time for us to find a way to close the health care coverage gap so that people can remain at work. Let's make this a priority. Let's close this gap and cover Alabama. To learn more and how you can help, visit CoverAlabama.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. Are you looking for a better future, a career that can have you set for life, and to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? If you are, then consider a skilled trades apprenticeship with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. The work of IUPAT is all around us, from the industrial painters who work on the bridges to drywall finishers, floor coverers, the glazers who install the glass in our skylines, and so much more. With an IUPAT apprenticeship, you earn while you learn and receive benefits while learning the trade, including a pension. We provide world-class education free of charge. That's right, no student debt. Our starting salaries for apprentices that graduate is above the national median salary with benefits for entire families. And you have the flexibility to take your trade wherever you'd like in the country to work. IUPAT District Council 77 covers our entire region, so give Adam Booth a call at 205-603-3142 for more information. Again, that phone number is 205-603-3142. Come build a better future with us today and join IUPAT. I'm attorney Tommy Senyard. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senyard Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senyard Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senyard Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senyard Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Sinyard Law, the name with proven results. Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Come on, you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. 
Labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor. And you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morris and my co-host is Adam Keller. We are super happy to be hanging out with you this morning. Uh, I just got a message from a brother and friend of the show over at NASA with their union, IFPTE. He said that uh, there is a faculty and student walkout on Monday in Morgantown, West Virginia, organized by the faculty, staff, and student unions at West Virginia University. The West Virginia Campus Workers and West West Virginia United Student Union over the budget and program cuts being proposed. There are 32 degree programs, including the World Languages Department in its entirety, Mm. and an additional 100 and 69 faculty positions being cut after a similar number of faculty cuts over the last year. Good grief. I've been seeing a lot about that on Twitter and I, I want to get somebody that's another that's that's another that I need to add to the list. Get somebody on to talk about what's going on at West Virginia University because uh, that's crazy. Crazy stuff. Appreciate that tip, brother. Thank you. Um, so with that, let's go ahead and we're going to talk to uh, Donnie Hellams. Donnie Hellams is a steward at UPS here in Madison with the Teamsters Local 402, member of the union for 28 years, and uh, most importantly, uh, the current guest on the Valley Labor Report. <laughs> Brother Donnie, thanks for joining us this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jacob. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Yeah, it's great to have you. Really enjoyed talking to you yesterday. And, um, you know, so let's we can first we can start by, you know, talking about how you kind of came to be involved with the union. You've been a member for 28 years, been working at UPS for 28 years. What was it that uh, uh, what what made you start wanting uh, uh, want to work at UPS? Well, the, the good thing about working at UPS, you could be part-time, and of course, you could have insurance. That's unheard of while you were trying to go to college, and uh, at the time, I couldn't get on mom and dad's insurance, of course. Uh, at this time, they didn't have the you know the Obama stuff that came along, and, and you can stay on your insurance now till 26, your parents' insurance, but uh, that was a big driving factor. I needed insurance, uh, and then here, here was a place I could work, could work over five hours. I was paid overtime. And it was Monday through Friday, no weekends at the time. And that's what drove me to UPS. And then after I got to working with UPS, I saw that, you know, there's some unfair stuff going on here. Uh, We have a contract. Somebody needs to hold UPS accountable to this. And of course, I became a steward. And that was that was mainly the driving force for me working with UPS and becoming a steward. And so what, uh, you know, unions, you know, as well as I do, are not as common in the South as they are in other places in the country, although Alabama does have the highest union density rate in the South. Uh, so it's more common here than other places. But but it's still, you know, some people when, when I talk to people about my involvement in my union and in the labor movement, you know, sometimes I'll get some side eyes and, and people, you know, not really kind of getting it, I guess. Uh, what? Uh, uh, did you kind of have to overcome any of that in yourself or has unions always kind of been part of your, uh, of your life? My dad was uh, anti-union. I will say that. And, you know, he, he encouraged me not to be part of the union, but you know, being in Huntsville, Alabama, Huntsville as a city is not pro-union. We are not. 
But, uh, you know, companies such as UPS, uh, they make billions of dollars. And if, if we didn't have unions, they would be making even more billions of dollars. Uh, that, that's, that's the feel here in Huntsville. Uh, I know, like I said, my family was against it and I, I'm, I'm pro union. Is the union perfect? No, I'll be the first to tell you, no, the union is not perfect, but I think without the union, uh, like I said, UPS would be making a lot more money. We would be treated a lot worse. And, uh, that's just my my opinion on it. Absolutely. UPS would be making, uh, you know, be be taking more of the money that would be going to y'all and going or going into yeah. your pockets, being spent in our community. And instead of that, it'd be going, to, you know, uh, some wealthy person's uh, stock in New York or D.C. or California, something like that. Um and you know, yes, like sir, you said, I highly you, agree. I highly agree with that statement. Yes, sir. Yeah, and and y'all would be treated. You know, I mean, you've got a. I mean, really, just a perfect kind of example. You look at FedEx, right? I mean, if you you want to see how folks at UPS would would be paid and compensated and treated if they didn't, if they weren't members of the Teamsters Union, look at FedEx and look at Amazon. And I think you yeah. know the the that's really all you have to do. If you, you give people an option, do you want to work at UPS or FedEx or Amazon? UPS is the obvious choice. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, so how the reason that we are talking to you today is because of the tentative agreement, uh, that the international brotherhood of teamsters has come to with the, uh, uh, with UPS, they came to that agreement, uh, shortly before the deadline, voting ends on the 22nd. And, uh, and, and and so talk to us some about what are the, what are some of the big picture items for you and, and members in your facility? Okay. And in, in our facility, um, one of the big things was of course, part-timer pay. Uh, part-timer pay is by far, it's, it's been overlooked and maybe not addressed in the past contracts as it should. Uh, they have raised it, but as far as, as, as Mr. O'Brien, our general president said, a lot of our part-timers live in poverty, uh, 15, 50 an hour starting out. Uh, you hit on Amazon, you hit on, uh, FedEx, you know, they pay, 16 to $18 an hour, some even $20. Toyota plant pays $20 an hour. It was, it was hard for us to find employees. Uh, we, I've been working some 14 hour days because we don't have enough people to load trucks, uh, unload trucks in the evening, reload the feeders because at that pay rate, we couldn't get it. This contract bumps that up to automatically $21 an hour. And even if part-timers that's been there longer, they're going to receive even more money uh, based on their years. I think you have to have five years of service. Uh, they're going to get an additional amount of money bumped up to that 21 because they're probably already making close to the 21, $22 range. If you've been there five years. Right. That yeah, that thing. is, I mean, that's uh, huge, especially, you know, workers across Alabama are, you know, it, it's going to be, they have what are called market rate adjustments in other places, but I don't think those are as common in Alabama. And so you are going to have a lot of people in the warehouse that are making 1550 and immediately retroactive to the August 1st, actually, is my understanding. And so they'll get a, a nice check uh, for the back pay uh, immediately to $21 an hour. 
Yes, sir. That, that is correct. And and that was one of the driving factors across the U.S. that I think so a lot of people wanted to vote no on this contract. You hit it the nail on the head was a market rate adjustment. They were afraid they were going to lose their market rate adjustment. But if you dig deep in this contract and you're not going to lose the market rate adjustment, they're going to get that plus get to keep their market rate and get a raise. So that that's I think that was the big mis, mis, misinterpretation that was going across with a lot of the vote no going on. I, my building, I, I like I said, I'm one person. I encourage everybody. This is the best contract I've ever seen in my 28 years at UPS. Now, does it leave a few people behind? I'm sure it does. Uh, is, it, is it perfect? No, it's not. But it's really, really good in the big scheme and the big picture of things. And, and you know, just to kind of, uh, you know, I, I think it would be helpful for folks to know that, you know, you're not the type to just vote automatically yes on every contract. You voted against the 2018 contract, right? I did. And and the main driving factor for me voting no is what Mr. O'Brien and uh, Fred Zuckerman have addressed in this contract was the 22.4 drivers, which let me just label this for you. This is a guy that's going to be doing the same job as I'm doing in package delivery. And he's going to be making seven dollars less an hour. He's not gonna. He's not going to be making the same amount of money that I'm doing, and we're both doing the same job. So basically, what that does to you is that kind of drives a wedge in between you and your coworker. Uh, he, he's making seven dollars less an hour than you are, of course, on forty hours a week. That's two hundred eighty dollars a week less than this guy's making, and. You know, I saw the big picture. I said, well, UPS is going to send him to me toward the end of the day. But when I go on to overtime and they're going to force him to deliver my last 20 or 30 stops, because also they didn't have any kind of uh, nine, five, nine and a half hour protection. They don't have eight hour protection. Uh, and they can force them to work six days a week. You know, I don't have a lot of family life working for UPS. There's, I've missed out a lot of stuff. My kids growing up, ball games, uh, family events. I walk up to houses, deliver. You see people sitting around the table eating supper together. And I don't get to do that, you know, and, and I didn't want this for these guys. And that's the main reason I voted no on that contract was because of the 22.4. They two-tiered the pay system. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that has been addressed in this contract, and immediately all 22-4 drivers will be uh, turned into regular package car drivers and placed in the uh, in the normal normal uh, progression. Yes, sir. Now they all have the same rights. Uh, when they finish their progression, they will top out at whatever our top out rate is that year. So they will be paid accordingly. And this is uh, this is a great game. I hate it happened in that contract. Like I said, I voted no. Uh, and I think the majority, I think we had a no vote on that contract. But as I stated, uh, Mr. Hoffa Jr., uh, we didn't have enough people vote, which is is the membership's fault. Uh, they we didn't have enough people vote. And the president, the general president had the power through bylaws and stuff to push that on through. And that's what he chose to do. Right, right. And uh, so, I mean, that's going to be really, really huge for, you know, thousands, thousands of, of, of new regular package car drivers going to be in that progression. And, and talk to us about uh, the, the raises that the package car drivers got, um, because they, those were pretty, uh, you know, pretty substantial, too. 
Yes, sir. At, at the end of this contract, I know everybody's seeing uh, the uh, $170,000 a year uh, thing online. It's out there. It's on the web. Uh, that's at the end of five years that we'll be making that kind of money. But when I go to my tax account at the end of that five years, he's not going to put down $170,000 uh, as my gross income. That that contributes to your pension. That contributes to your health and welfare package that, that we have. And I think on 40 hours, uh, we will actually be making over $100,000 a year. Uh, we work a lot of overtime. Uh, Jacob, we work a lot of overtime. I, I, like I said, I just finished up, I think it was 18 weeks. Uh, I was actually working close to 14 hours a day up to my 60 and then was being asked or uh, trying to get volunteers to come in on Saturday and work over 60 hours. Uh, that was just mainly in the warehouse. I wouldn't be on the road, but that's just because we had a shortage of workers and we were in a hiring freeze uh, due to this contract. And uh it, it, it's been pretty rough here over the past, but we're receiving a $7.50 raise over five years, uh, which will put us close to making 49, maybe with our color raises, if we get color raises, uh, which I'm sure we will because inflation is pretty high right now, uh, we will be close to $50 an hour at the end of the five-year contract. And uh, yesterday you were talking to me about mechanics. Um, you know, mecha when, when people think about UPS, you know, typically they'll think about drivers and warehouse workers. Really, the, they'll, they'll think about drivers. But if they think about anybody else, it's going to be warehouse workers. But UPS also employs a lot of mechanics that are members of the Teamsters. Uh, what happened? Uh, what did they get in the, in the contract, in the TA? Over, over, over the years, that, that's somebody that we've forgotten, kind of like the part-timers. Uh, there's not a lot of mechanics at UPS. At my facility, we have three. Uh, in the Huntsville facility, they have two. Uh, so there's not a lot of mechanics. So basically, they do get overlooked a lot. This brought out some things uh, for them. I listened to them complain over the past two contracts and tried to get my mechanics involved on what they really wanted and to, to turn in stuff at the beginning when we were taking, you know, taking stuff to put in this new contract. Uh, they actually got increased in their tool, tool allowance each year. I think it went up $100, $150. Uh, they now have only a one-year progression. Uh, they went from a two-year progression to a one-year progression. They go to top out rate after one year. And this is unheard of. Uh, now they can jump classifications. If they have 15 years or more service, uh, most of them are CDL qualified. They can drive uh, our semi trucks. They can actually bid in if there's a feeder opening, which is our tractor trailers is what we call our feeders. They feed our buildings. They can uh, they can bid on a uh, feeder job, or if they're crazy enough, they can leave mechanic and come into package with us, which I think would be crazy because uh, it's a it's a different it's a different animal than those feeder trucks. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that, I mean, that, that does sound, that sounds great. And so, uh, you know, you said, oh, oh, and the other thing, the, so there are in additional, in, in addition to the national contract, uh, the Teamsters and UPS have, uh, have regional supplements and the supplements are what cover the pensions and, um, and the Southern supplement has, uh, it sounds to me like a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice addition to uh, the pension package. Can you talk to us about uh, what what y'all got in the Southern Supplement? Yes, sir. Uh, 
on on general, I guess if you look at it, if in the past we we usually got maybe four hundred dollars each contract, maybe uh, three hundred four hundred dollars increase in in our retirement in the past two contracts. I'm pretty sure. Uh, this new contract, if you retire after January 1, 2024, and now it, it looks at your age, if you have uh, 55 years uh, old, if you're 55 years old and you have 35 years of service, that jump from this last contract to the new contract, $1,000. You went from $4,300 to $5,300. Now, on the 30 year with age 55, it went from uh, 38 to uh 48 so it's a thousand dollar jump if you if you have the age uh if you don't have the age i think it jumped about four hundred dollars each year on both of those uh so if if you meet the age requirements and you meet the service requirements this is this is a milestone i've never seen a retirement go up a thousand dollars uh like like it did this this contract yeah that, I mean, that's that is definitely huge. And so, you know, the those are some of the highlights of the contract. And you told me that that you are going to be voting yes or you have voted yes uh, for this tentative agreement. Why is it that uh, why are you voting yes? Well, let's let's just hit. Like I said, the main reason was the twenty two point fours. We eliminated those jobs. No more two tier. Everybody's same. I, I'm all about being fair. Like I said, that's the reason I became a steward. All about being fair across the board. Uh, $7.50 raise over five years on top of what I already made. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Part-timers increase in pay. They went from $15.50 to $21 an hour. That's a $4.35 raise. We didn't forget the part-timers. Uh, we'll get, be getting Martin Luther King Day off. That's another holiday that they've added to our list of holidays we didn't receive. That, that's that's a bonus for us. Uh, no more forced overtime. Uh, I've had a lot of my guys in my building, the lower senior guys that are drivers, we didn't staff up with the 22.4s, I guess, because they knew they were going to uh, destroy that, that classification and they would have to turn all those guys into full-time drivers so they didn't want to have too many on staff. A lot of my guys for the last two years have had to work six days a week. A lot of my drivers that are on the bottom end of the seniority list. Under this new contract, UPS can't force them to work on that Saturday. They're going to have to do a new schedule of Tuesday through Saturday, Monday through Friday top drivers. Uh, now, will some of my guys still have to work on Saturdays? Yes, they will. But they will also be off on Mondays. So they will only go back to a five-day. Uh, let's talk about air conditioning, something I never thought in my career at UPS I would see. They're going to have to put air conditioners on uh, new trucks starting in January, any new truck they buy. Uh, we're getting heat shields. I think that's going to help a lot. I've knelt down in the back of the truck right behind the, the bulkhead door and actually burned my knee from where uh, the exhaust is right there. And the floor, the metal floor is so hot that it will actually burn you. 150 degrees in the back of the package car, 110 in the cab. Uh, air conditioning is definitely going to help out. Uh, let's see what else have I got. Seventy five hundred new full time jobs. Uh, that that's awesome for people that are part time. And then of course, me and you hit on the mechanics, uh, the benefits that they're getting from this contract, and of course, the pension increases. That's enough right there for me. That got my yes vote. 
And how are people in your facility? Have have you been have you been able to kind of get a pulse on uh, on folks working working around here? How they're going to be voting? In Madison and and the Huntsville Center, I still have some connections there. Uh, you know, you're going to always have a few no's, but I, I believe the majority uh, the majority we're going to be yes here here in Madison and Huntsville, North Alabama. That's my um, opinion from what, from the talk I get. Yeah. And so, you know, we can we can wrap up here by, you know, I, I think that I, I think that we would but we both want to encourage people to vote however they're going to be voting uh, to vote, because, you know, people at FedEx and, and Amazon, they don't get a vote on their working conditions. Right. And so it, it's a really unique opportunity as a working person in Alabama and the United States of America to be able to be a part of creating the conditions that you work in and having a say. And so, uh, so, you know, absolutely want to encourage people to vote. Um, can you tell, uh, UPS Teamsters how they would go about doing that? Voting, you should have received a ballot in the mail. Uh, in that ballot, there is a QR code that you can scan and you can vote via, uh, email or internet. If you flip it to the ballot over on the back, there's an 800 number. I think it's an 877 number. Uh, you call that number. Uh, there's a code right above it. You type that code in. It's going to give you some instructions. Uh, then it gets down to the master agreement that you have a right to vote yes or no on. And then it also, after you vote on that one, it tells you about the uh, Southern supplement that, that we also have to vote on. And you, you just, it's pretty simple. One or two. One yes, two no, and that'll wrap it up, and you have your vote in. And I, I encourage everybody to vote, even if you vote no. That that's your right. Uh, I, that that's a good thing about being in the union. You know, it's being fair. If you don't like it, vote no. If you are for it, which I am, and I encourage all my guys. Hey, like I said, this is one of the best contracts in my 28 years that I've seen from at, at UPS, hands down. Donnie Hellams, uh, steward over at the Madison facility for Teamsters Local 402 at UPS in Alabama. Really appreciate your time. Enjoy the conversation. Jacob, thank you for having me. And uh, I just want to thank all my Teamster uh, family out there. I have a lot of stewards I rely heavy on. I want to thank uh, Sean O'Brien, General President, Fred Zuckerman, Secretary Treasurer, uh, Thor Johnson, uh, Brian Rothman, uh, Joe Gronick, my, my business agent that, that, uh, contacted you, I guess, for me to talk to you. I want to thank him, uh, Shane Titus, uh, Philip Hill, Lynn Crutcher, uh, Corey Phelps and Devin Jensen, uh, awesome stewards that I rely heavy on and without them, I wouldn't be what I am. So thank you so much, Jacob. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. Talk soon. Yes, all sir. right. All right, folks. Uh, that was, like I said, Donnie Hellum, steward at UPS here in Madison, Alabama for Teamsters Local 402. Uh, really, really appreciated that perspective um, and uh, a lot of good things. I learned some stuff. I learned I didn't realize that about the mechanics and I didn't realize this. I, I, I didn't know the specifics about the pension increases in the Southern Supplement. So that all sounds pretty cool. Um so we're going to take a, a break really quick, and we're going to be right back with Teddy Ostro. This is going to be the second time, the third time that he's been a guest on the show. And we're going to talk to him about the reaction of, you, of Teamsters nationwide 
to this tentative agreement, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna make him play fortune teller and tell us what he thinks uh, what he thinks the results are gonna be on the twenty second. So uh, stay tuned, folks. We're gonna be right back with Teddy Ostro. In Alabama, more than two hundred thousand of our friends and neighbors are living without health care coverage. Often, folks can't stay healthy enough to keep their jobs. We need to fix this. Let's close the health care coverage gap. To learn more, visit coveralabama.org. Support for this program also comes from the Ironworkers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower-than-average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, Or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long term, if you need ironworkers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer, and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Ironworkers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. The Laborers International Union of North America, Local 366, is proudly recruiting North Alabama workers to work construction and nuclear plant maintenance. If you're interested, please contact Donna at their training center to start the process. That phone number is 256 415 Again, that phone number is 256-415-7452. No experience is needed. Free training is offered, but you must be able to pass a background check and a drug test. Local hiring that grows our community with good-paying jobs that have benefits is their mission. Live better. Work union. Local 366. Feel the power. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. I'm attorney Tommy Senyard. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senyard Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senyard Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senyard Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senyard Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. 
Senior Law, the name with proven results. I'm all new poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell. Now the good old union has come in here to dwell. Alabama's only union talk radio show. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morris and my co-host is Adam Keller. We're broadcasting live, as always, from the Spice Radio studio in Huntsville, Alabama, online and on the radio. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We have a phone number. Uh, the line is open, but we're not going to be able to take calls until we get into overtime at 11 a.m. Central. Um, you can also send us a text message. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR. If you want to uh, interact with the program live right now, you can join our YouTube chat where we have several people watching. About 100 folks uh, have been watching, but only 34 people have liked the stream. So let's get those numbers up. Uh, we we can do better than that. And if you are just tuning in for the first time, then consider subscribing to the program. We bring uh, news, commentary, interviews, and analysis like this every single week uh, with a special emphasis on the South. Uh, so we are, uh, we've been on the radio for over three years and we're, uh, excited to continue doing that. So, uh, subscribe to the show so that you can, uh, you, you can continue watching and, uh, continue seeing what we're up to. We have a couple of, uh, really cool interviews already lined up for September, September, uh, in particular, I'm looking forward to talking to Blair L.M. Kelly on the 2nd of September. I think that's going to be fun. She's got a good, uh, she's got a book out about the black working class. And uh, and I'm expecting that uh, that conversation is going to go really well. Uh, appreciate all the chat in the comments. Uh, Will, longtime listener, uh, no voter, and certainly understand uh, where he's coming from. Uh, some of the, you know, in, in his opinion, uh, part-timers didn't get paid enough. Overtime protections aren't strong enough. And uh, and the progression is too long for regular package car drivers. So, you know, I uh, I, I definitely understand where people are coming from on, on either side uh, that, that you know i think you know the fact of the matter is that it's definitely it's a better contract than up than ups workers have seen in a long time and the question to the members is uh is it enough can you get more and so uh that's going to be uh we're going to get the results of that uh we're going to get the results uh of that question on tuesday so uh, so here to talk to us about that is Teddy Ostro. Teddy Ostro is host of the Upsurge podcast. Uh, he is a national freelance labor reporter uh, in addition to his podcast, The Upsurge, which is about UPS, the Teamsters, and uh, what, it, uh, what these contract negotiations mean for the broader labor movement. He also has bylines in In These Times, The New Republic, Jacobin, and more. Uh, Teddy, welcome back to the program. Thanks for talking to us today. Thanks for having me. Always love to talk to y'all. So, you know, let's go ahead and, and start off. You know, we've had a, a few different, uh, we, we've had a few different times talking about, you know, what is in the contract. So if people, if people don't know, they can go back and, and listen to my conversation with Donnie, our conversation with you a couple of weeks ago and some further conversations we've had about it. And, and so let's just go ahead and jump right into the reaction of the membership. How do you feel, uh, 
what what does the pulse feel like to you across the country? Right. Well, what I'm about to share is kind of a preview, I think, of uh, the next episode of The Upsurge. Uh, you know, I've talked to dozens of people around the country, and I've talked to many of those folks who have talked to even more dozens of people around the country. Um, and I think it's important to state, like, this is an enormous union. So it's hard to really get an accurate pulse. Certainly, you can't find that pulse on social media. Um, but I think there's maybe some ordering to the chaos um, that is... Uh, the opinions of folks, the complex and, um, you know, very ranged opinions of folks in this union. So I think there's several layers um, of the reaction that depends on a couple of things. You know, these are imperfect lines of demarcation, but I think you can look at region. You know, you can look at the classification, what type of job you have, age. Um, and I think maybe one of the more predictive um, points is whether or not we're talking about an activist layer of the Teamsters union. You know, I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of folks out there who are really happy about this contract. And one reason for a lot of those people is just purely the economics. These these are big raises compared to past contracts, just in general, hands down. You know, some part timers will see nine dollars in raises over the next five years, um, which is pretty significant. And whether that's enough. Right. We're going to we're going to see whether people are going to vote on whether that was enough. It may not be enough for some folks. So. Also, second tier drivers, for example, um, you know, they'll move into a progression that was up to $32 from now to $49 per hour. So I think there's a lot of folks in this sort of maybe larger camp, whether right or wrong, who are thinking maybe more individualistically or just looking at the economics. Then, then I think, you know, it's important to mention there are folks that are perhaps a, a bit more involved in the union on the shop floor. They file grievances. They are more involved in the contract campaign. And many of those folks are looking at this contract, too, and they recognize that this is a sea change from previous contracts, that this is clawing back many of the previous concessions that uh, were taken by the union, uh, most notably the, the two-tier system among delivery drivers in 2018, and that it's a step forward in the union in a better direction. And I think, you know, we I think that's pretty undeniable that that's true. At the same time, there are folks, you know, in this same camp who are either activists, more, more involved, who wish that the union had demanded more. You know, most of the people I've spoken to are relieved that there's no strike as of now. Um, but there are activists who I've also spoken to and, and just normal average folks who aren't necessarily that involved, who believe the Teamsters had more leverage and could have won more that was on the table. And in that group, as well as beyond sort of a militant minority, we're seeing, you know, some people who are disappointed with a range of different issues. And, and that might be part-time pay. Um, it may be that in, in within part-time pay, there's now a new established tier. It might be about market rate adjustments, um, right? Whether or not those are going to be held and um, or taken away. And it may be also, you know, protections from harassment, violation of overtime protections as well, whether or not all that stuff is, is strong enough to protect people. Because those are serious issues too. And I have to say, I'm sort of amazed at the range of responses I've gotten over the past uh, couple of weeks when I asked people, um, you know, what, 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 what would you have wanted more? Or what, what do you like? It's really a range. And I think like, if there's any order to this madness, I think like I do see a lot of younger folks who sort of sunk their teeth into the contract campaign, 
like saw the power they had when they were doing practice pickets. They're suffering at this job, whether because they're in the back of a package truck and it's 140 degrees right now in the South, um, in, in the back of the package truck, or, you know, they're dealing with poverty because we are dealing with poverty wages um, among part-timers. And they expected more. You know, they simply had raised expectations. And I think also a really important thing to note is that there was among some folks um, a desire for revenge, <laughs> you know, in some cases for what the what the company did to people over the over the pandemic, how horrible the, co the company treated people. Um, and this has been said before. You know, I interviewed Greg Kerwood for the next episode of The Upsurge. I've also talked about this with Richard Hooker Jr. Um, out of 623. But that sort of revenge and that desire to right the wrongs of the pandemic isn't necessarily something that could be translated easily into a collective bargaining agreement. You know, it may have to be worked out in the streets. It may have to be worked out over several CBAs or, or in a, a larger movement against corporate greed. So I would say, you know, from a range of opinions, I mean, you know, there are certainly splits in certain hubs. There are other regional differences depending on the supplement. But overall, you know, a lot of people love this agreement. Um, and I think some people are, con uh, there are others who are conflicted. And the, whether or not uh, that will translate to a no vote or a yes vote, we'll have to wait and see um, in on August 22nd. In an article that came out recently in Labor Notes, um, the they quoted Greg Kerwood, uh, who said, you know, if we had gone on, quote, if we had gone on strike for five days and came back with this contract, I think people would feel very different about it, even if it was exactly the same. Not striking changes the pronouns from we as a union to you as a leadership. We did this. We fought for it. We won. And and I think that that gets to what, what you were talking about, you know, he and Richard Hooker, Richard Hooker's quoted in this article as well, talking about, you know, uh, uh, some people, they, they really just wanted to, they just wanted to, you know, just fight with UPS, right? And and it is difficult to kind of to 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 channel those emotions into you know into a contract into a financial kind of compensation uh, when you know a lot of it is is like you know you really want to kind of stick it to the man. I think there's like so much. I mean, I I felt it, and I'm not mm -hmm. even a UPS worker. Right. right. I mean, from the beginning, I was I'm a reporter and I would never tell anyone to vote no or vote yes. Or and I would never, you know, say to anyone uh, I would never ask of anyone to just strike because it's not my decision. It's not my risk. But for the love of God, it would have been incredible. And, and it's still <laughs> possible um, if there were there was this strike. And at mm -hmm. this moment when there is um, when we're seeing already, you know, about the size of the UPS bargaining unit. Um, that number of people have already struck this year and are and are mm. still on, on on strike. And, you know, it's only I have never been on strike, but it's something I've read. It's something I've heard from people. It changes you and it, it right. shows you the power that you have. And, you know, it it really highlights the class war that people are in in this country. And it, it it's not at the end of the day. Sometimes it's not about the the contract i mean it is you want to make gains which upsers already have they fought hard and they won already um was it enough um that question necessarily isn't about the language in the contract but it's mm -hmm. about the organization of people and whether or not you know you're moving forward 
on that front in the larger sort of question of workers versus corporations, workers, labor versus capital. Right. And uh, well, Jacob, I just oh, wanted yeah, to no. chime in here on that point, because, you know, something that is really important to me to get across is that I want to encourage everyone to participate and everyone to cast their vote for for various reasons. But part of it is no matter what happens, y'all will need to be stronger on the other side of this. Mm whether it's enforcing a contract, whether it is going on strike, uh, whatever the situation may be, you'll need more solidarity. You'll need more power in the right. workplace. Uh, and so that's why I would I would really encourage everyone, regardless of whether you're a yes vote or a no vote, cast your vote and use your voice. You've got both and you should use both. Uh, and you should talk with your coworkers and listen to your coworkers and get organized with your coworkers and fight the boss in the workplace. Uh, and so I, I just wanted to encourage folks with that message. I think that really kind of lined up with what you're saying here because uh, there are broader issues, you know, in the, in this context here. It is, it is about this contract and it's also about our society and our economy and our, our class war that we're all part of. So, you know, there is a lot going on, but uh, just wanted to chime in with that. Right. Yeah, well, and and the uh, uh, you know, that that's definitely uh, really important. And the um, you know, the the ability to vote, like I was talking to Donnie about, is pretty unique in uh, you know, at, in, among the working class in the United States. You don't often get that. And what Greg Kerwood was talking about when he was quoting quoted in that in that Labor Notes article, I think that is that's one of the reasons why it it is. It's important for um, for us, you know, as as media and 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 also for for the Teamsters to stress that, you know, especially if there isn't a strike, especially if this tentative agreement is ratified, it's it's crucial that the members know that they are what won this right. tentative agreement. Uh, One of this, it wasn't just that Sean O'Brien is so charismatic and such a tough negotiator. It's because there was a real credible strike threat that UPS right. was scared of. And so even if you didn't get to go out and feel, feel like you're fighting on the streets or, or whatever, you know, the risk of that, the real credible threat of that and the real actual, you know, kind of metaphorical fighting that happened with the practice pickets, that one, all of these things that that are, are improvements are just factually improvements. Right. You know, like you said, and like I've said, the question is, is it enough? But these are improvements and they weren't won by Sean O'Brien. And, and to that point, you know, a lot of, as I said, I think a lot of the folks who may have been disappointed are probably in sort of a militant minority in the Teamsters Union who were activists and were leaders. And the thing about disappointment is there's a fine line to what that leads to of cynicism and hope, right? And if it can be translated into hope, which is necessary to enforce this contract, which is which is certainly, you know, some of the things that were won, that's going to have to be dealt with on the shop floor by enforcement. And it may even get into arbitration. It may, uh, you know, be enforced in certain areas and not others. Like, you know, when I, when I talked about the reaction of different people and I mentioned different regions, it's because 
different regions have different levels of shop floor militancy. And the next steps are to make sure that this that this uh, union, right, that the militant minority can grow and also from you know one coast to the other build shop floor militancy, which also translates into demanding more um, among a broader group of people for the next contract um, and beyond. So I think it's important that cynicism is sort of pushed to the wayside if, you know, this isn't voted down and Sean O'Brien goes back to the table and doesn't get more, or there's a strike, whatever happens, um, the UPS Teamsters clearly already won. Um, and if they want enough, uh, we'll know uh, on August 22nd. I mean, on strictly moral terms, clearly not enough. You know, the working class deserves the world. They create, right. create all wealth. But um, that's why they have these democratic processes. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, you talked to me about being able to spend several days with a local Teamsters union and being able to be in the meeting, in a meeting where they were discussing the contract and things like this. And, you know, the, you talked about how varied the, the responses that you've received are. And, and that's kind of, that's where I'm at as well. And, and, and how, and like, and how different people's motivations are. I, I told you that I spoke to a, a UPS driver um, that I just met randomly. So, so, you know, not a listener of the show, not somebody that I met through my union work. I happened to be out and he was delivering a package to the building that I was in. And so I said, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And he was like, yeah, I voted no because I think that part-timers got too much and drivers didn't get enough. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's so bizarre. But uh, so can you talk to us about your experience spending those several days with that local of the Teamsters Union? Right. This is a relatively small local of the Teamsters Union, local 251 in Rhode Island. They have 1,200 UPS workers at, at a single UPS facility in Warwick. Um, and I have to say, you know, uh, it was a really nice time just to like hang out with a bunch of different folks, a bunch of different classifications of varying seniority. And it was an overwhelmingly positive response to the TA, I have to say. Um, and I definitely got where where there were tensions wasn't necessarily where there were tensions in, in other places when I've talked to other folks. Um Everyone is pretty happy, like the part-timers I spoke to were super happy about the, uh, you know, wage uh, increase. Uh, maybe that's because they didn't have as high of an MRA, a market rate adjustment, those raises that UPS gives out to certain uh, regions uh, where they have to compete in the labor market. So, you know, certainly the 22-4, the second tier driver being abolished and converted into RPCDs, regular package car drivers, that was a huge point. Um, I spoke to older folks who are really happy to be getting another week of vacation because they're 35 years in. You know, the two things that came up, I think, the most um, was the progression um, that people wanted, you know, to get to top rate, not in four years, but in two. Mm. And then the other thing, which is interesting, uh, was... Uh, they, you know, I was talking to 24 year old, a 32 year old, some young folks uh, who are talking about their pension not being enough. They're already thinking about retirement, you know, and so uh, which is not something, you know, I'm in that age range and I'm and I'm not I, I don't have a pension. So maybe that's why I'm not thinking about it. But it's it's just interesting. You know, it's right. just people think about I just found an overwhelmingly positive sort of response. Mm. Um 
and a very broad range of of individuals and who are thinking both individualistically but also for the greater good and hmm. people are proud of this ta when i was in that meeting i went to a contract review meeting there were some questions you know that was meant to answer questions for right. people and i will say there were surprisingly few questions. Maybe that's because Local 251, um, they do an incredibly good job, as far as I can tell, in educating the membership, going to the gates and passing out the right. changes, uh, doing stuff online. Uh, there were very few questions. And, and this contract review meeting felt far more like a celebration than, mm. you know, there were claps and cheers at each enumerated win and and some right. clarifications. And, 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 you know, there was even a laugh at one point because... Um, they talked about one of the fail failures of the of the uh, negotiations is uh, drivers are are made to purchase their own UPS branded socks, which they're required to wear if they wear shorts in the summer. Um, you need to have your brown UPS branded socks, and UPSers wanted uh, UPS to pay for it, um, and they didn't make progress on that. Oh. <laughs> you know, and so everyone laughed. And I will right. say it was it, it it was a really interesting experience, but that that wasn't necessarily indicative of everyone i heard across the country interesting all right so uh teddy ostro uh final answer on uh and this <laughs> and you're going to be held accountable for this uh, so, uh how, how are the teamsters going to vote this is a dangerous game but i like i like my southern labor friends um yeah if i were to make a guess i think this tentative agreement is likely to pass but you know the union isn't as divided as it was in 2018. You have, you know, back then you had major locals mm. um, openly pushing a, a, a vote no. Now there's near unanimity around supporting this contract. So locals for sure are like whipping yes votes for definitely. And there isn't, you know, from my perspective, I don't really see a coherent like vote no movement. Mm. Um, and that may get people angry at me, but you know, there isn't one central thing that I'm hearing workers demanding from Sean O'Brien or the National right. Negotiating Committee to go back to the table and solve. I'm I'm not saying that's right or wrong, you know, but mm. uh that's just how I see. Like there there isn't a cohered movement that I see that is organized to um push against institutional support for this contract. Um, and that's just like, you know, that's just my analysis. And because of that, I see this TA likely pushing through on August 22nd. Teddy Ostro, really appreciate it. And your podcast is not going to be ending on the 22nd, right? Y'all are y'all have some stuff in store for uh, whether the tentative agreement is ratified or not, right? Yep. we're. I mean, we're, we'll continue the UPS story as long as it goes, and it's going to go... For a long time, I'm sure. But, you know, for now uh, or then the next month or so, uh, I think it was the first time I'm saying this publicly, but um, we are going to be doing somewhat of a transition to start focusing on. We won't abandon the Teamsters completely, but to focus on uh, what's going on at the UAW, which oh. is hugely exciting. Okay. So I'm already speaking to some folks around the country there, and you'll be hearing uh, from some practice pickets, rallies, um, and from workers, of course, uh, on the Upsurge podcast pretty soon. All right, there we go. Well, this is, see, Adam, this is why we need a soundboard. We could have hit like a breaking news button. Right. <laughs> I, I know. It's a you heard it first on the Valley Labor Report. 
Really? <laughs> yeah, really missed opportunity. No, it's not the first on the ballot. We have broken news on the ballot. Come on now. No, awesome. no. No, this... no, no, no. But my my news. Oh, okay. Right. Your news, was... news. Okay, there you go. There you go. Don't yeah. be so defensive, Jacob. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> no, you guys, you guys, you guys are not. You guys do the the good work. You you break the news. You you break down the news. All of it. Appreciate right. it. Well, Hell there yeah. You go. Thanks, Thanks, Teddy. Teddy. All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk Thanks, soon. Guys. All right. All right, uh, that was Teddy Ostro. Definitely check out his podcast, The Upsurge, wherever you get your podcasts. It's really great. They have gone into a lot of, you know, uh, obviously they've gone into the contract negotiations, how, you know, how the preparations went, uh, talked about practice picketing, but they also really dive deep into some history of the Teamsters at UPS. So it is a very, very educational, and I think it, it's going to be an evergreen kind of podcast. It's going to be one of those that you can go back and listen to uh, whenever, like the, um, you know, like Blowback. Blowback right. is obvi- is is a fantastic podcast, and they've got a few seasons about you know Iraq and Cuba, and it's always a it, you know you can listen to that anytime. And I think that the upsurge is going to be one of those that's going to be a good historical, uh, a, a good you know a, a, a good resource if, if when for people in the future when they want to learn about what happened in 2023, uh, they're going to go and listen to the upsurge. So. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I just want to take this opportunity to remind all folks, if you are a UPS Teamster, please vote. Please mm-hmm. let your voice and your vote be heard. Please be counted. Uh, it's very important that you participate. So uh, really, you know, I appreciate all of y'all, whether you are voting yes or voting no. Please know that we have nothing but love and solidarity and best wishes for y'all. And uh, we'll yep. be standing beside you. But whatever happens, uh, we got your back. And uh, just wishing all the best for for the workers because as teddy mentioned i mean if we're being honest no contract is ever really good enough because labor is where the wealth comes from uh yep. these billions in profits would not exist were it not for the workers uh but it's just a decision that that we all have to make and so uh again love and solidarity to all the teamsters absolutely we got a couple of text messages over the last week we're going to read those off hey jake and adam it's jack from new jersey at some point would you be able to share your research process or any good data sources for putting together the boss watch and last week in southern labor segments i think both present valuable information and i've been considering putting together something in newsletter form in my area uh and it's pretty simple uh we just go to the department of labor website and check out their news releases uh from the wedge Hour division and osha and the eeoc just see what they're putting out and we pull everything that happens in the south so the department of labor news releases uh that's where we get basically every story yeah. from boss watch there's although, a few in the eoc a few from the yeah. epa uh you know other agencies out there but dol is typically where we we get yeah. these stories uh and occasionally we run across stuff that's like just comes on our news news feed right, right? or somebody right. will send it to us right but the DOL is going to be our primary source. And so for, uh, you know, for states that have their own Department of Labor that is that actually, you know, enforces labor law. Yeah, we um, wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> we wouldn't know what that's like. But maybe you've got a resource like that, too, in the de- <laughs> Department of Labor in your state. Um, and then for the uh, last week in Southern Labor, we pull that from, you know, the election filings. We pull that from the NLRB's website. Um Adam, could you? Ha- I, I'm not exactly sure where you go for that. Sure. Uh, I mean, you go to nlrb.gov and you can actually go to case search. 
uh, and you can pull reports uh, that shows you all the filings uh, across the country and then you can go down and, and look by state so we look at all the southern states basically of their football team is in the SEC, you know, we include mm. them. Alongside the global south, the colonized areas of the United States, Guam and Puerto Rico, for example, uh, you know, we consider them honorary Southerners. So we, we select by the area. You can find all the filings. You can download it as a spreadsheet. Take some time to kind of figure out what you're looking at. But um, you can go and you can see the union that has filed for the election, the workers that are involved, the number, the types uh you know location um and then go back in and see the results um and so that is the bulk of where we get last week in southern labor alongside uh you know monitoring the strike map with mm -hmm. afl cio and the uh cornell uh ilr strike tracker um so those are good resources as well um and then of course just monitoring press releases from the various unions uh is another there's another way to get some of this information. Um, unfortunately, there's not, I mean, there there are some folks who are out there who are doing some of this good work. Uh, you know, we used to have Jonah Furman doing his uh, Who Gets the Bird newsletter. I know that uh, Mel Buer has done some some good work in that space as well, but it's not super easy to, to come across. But, uh, you know, I, I mm. applaud you for wanting to do that. You know, if we're being honest, Boss Watch is probably the easier one to get started right. in your area. Uh, but yeah, send us an email if if we need to set up a time to chat about it and talk about it. Happy to to help you get that going in your neck of the woods. Yep. Hi, Jacob and Adam. This is Penny from Connecticut. It blew me away when you remembered that I had talked to you about my granddaughter being in the Newsies. Well, anyway, it turned out that I only got to watch live for about a half hour because the grandkids uh, dropped by to visit. The musical was in May. I tried to figure out how to clip out something short enough to email you. Then I got busy with other things and forgot about it. I'll work on that again. The kids did a great job. I shared the labor history episode where Adam talked about the Newsboy strike with Isla. I'll be watching tomorrow morning and working on trying to clip Seize the Day for you. Well, uh, really cool. Penny, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm glad the, the labor history resonates with some folks. I know it's not for everybody, but some people seem to really uh, enjoy learning about what happened this month in labor history. So that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, so we're going to wrap it up with Boss Watch because every week uh, bosses are breaking the law, but you don't hear about it on your local news. Instead, you see some uh, poor or working class person's mugshot because of petty theft, trespassing, whatever the case may be. Uh, but you're not going to see a CEO's mugshot, and despite the fact that they actually steal more <laughs> than the rest of us. And they uh, are responsible for the deaths of almost as many people as are murdered. I mean, bosses are just uh, really going wild and they don't face the same consequences for them. So obviously this is not going to make up for it, but we're going to call it out here on the Valley Labor Report. We're going to start with uh, Tennessee, where the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld a lower court's ruling that a Memphis Starbucks violated the National Labor Relations Act when it fired seven workers over unionizing uh over union organizing efforts. The NLRA gives workers the right to form a union and collectively bargain and forbids employers from interfering. Specifically, employers are prohibited from retaliating against workers who organize or support union efforts 
and that includes by creating new rules or by enforcing old rules inconsistently, which is what happened here after the Memphis Seven were fired for behavior that was not previously punished uh, after they began publicly supporting the union drive. The August 8th ruling affirmed that the terminations also had a chilling effect on organizing efforts not only in Memphis, but in Starbucks outlets across the U.S. and agreed with a district court, with a Trump-appointed <coughs> district court judge, by the way, that the workers known as the Memphis Seven should have been reinstated to their jobs, and it is right that they were reinstated. So very good news from the Tennessee Lookout. In Mississippi, uh, the U.S. Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division last week recovered $314,211 in back wages and liquidated damages after a Mississippi staffing agency, Prime Care Nursing, stole the money from the paychecks of 91 nurses and other employees by paying them straight time instead of the legally required overtime rates after 40 hours, including for some nurses who worked as many as 84 hours. Just totally criminal. This was a violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act, which sets overtime pay at time and a half the standard rate after 40 hours. Located in Jackson and Greenville, Mississippi, Prime Care Nursing provides nursing care staffing throughout Mississippi, serving hospitals, nursing homes, patients in their homes, hospice agencies, and rehabilitation centers. Prime Care Nursing workers include registered nurses, licensed practical nurses, and caregivers. After the investigation and the recovery of the stolen wages, Prime Care Nursing will begin paying employees what they are owed under the law. <laughs> very, very uh, important th thing there. The U.S. Department of Labor notes that enforcement in this sector is particularly important because as the aging U.S. population grows and demand for health care increases, employment in a variety of health care occupations is projected to grow 13% from 2021 to 2031, faster than the average for all occupations, adding about 2 million jobs. Wage and Hour Division D District Director Audrey Hall in Jackson, Mississippi, said when employers violate workers' rights, they make it harder for them to provide for themselves and their families. The Department of Labor will hold employers accountable when they mistakenly think they can violate these rights. Staying in Mississippi, federal workplace safety investigators have determined after an investigation that one of the nation's leading cement manufacturers, Buzzy Unisem USA, which operates as River Cement Sales Company, could have prevented a 50-year-old employee from drowning after falling from a barge into the Mississippi River in February of 2023. The U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration looked into the fatal incident and found that three employees barded, boarded a barge without wearing personal safety, uh, personal flotation devices. Shortly after climbing to a second deck to repair a blocked valve, one of the workers fell headfirst into the river from the barge's side. Co-workers tried unsuccessfully to rescue their colleague and the remains were not recovered until nearly a month later. OSHA's inspectors identified identified five serious violations by the Bethlehem, Pennsylvania-based company. Specifically, the agency found that the company failed to make sure employees wore personal flotation devices when exposed to drowning hazards. The company did not install guardrails to protect workers from falling into the water. They did not train employees in first aid, and they found that an eyewash station was not installed for workers exposed to corrosive materials. The company faces $62,500 in proposed penalties and has 
has 15 business days from the receipt of the citations to comply, request a conference with OSHA, or contest the findings. Heading down a little further south to Louisiana, in 2021, the U.S. Department of Labor filed a lawsuit after Sentinel Security Group, a company employing security guards, refused to comply with the findings of the department's wage and hour division. Investigators determined that Sentinel Security Group denied overtime to affected employees by not combining hours employees worked at more than one location, (laughs) which is obviously still a violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act. Last week, the Department of Labor announced that in May of 2023, years after this allegation uh, was made, the U.S. Department of Labor obtained a consent judgment in U.S. District Court ordering Sentinel Security Group to pay $23,841 in back wages and an equal amount in liquidated damages to the affected employees. The department also filed a separate action in administrative court and obtained consent findings that require the company to pay $7,317 in civil money penalties for Sentinel's repeat violations. Uh, here's something to help you grasp how big of a problem wage theft is. In fiscal year 2022, the Wage and Hour Division recovered more than $3.9 million for 4,600 people just employed in guard services. Wow. After over 600 investigations. So when the Republicans are talking about wanting to cut the Department of Labor's budget by 30%, This is the stuff that they're wanting to cut, right? 600 investigations. That's not free. They're wanting to let bosses get away with stealing from you and me and putting us in harm's way. Anyway. How many more of those people would have been left, you know, left out to dry? Exactly. Over in Arkansas, a federal workplace safety investigation determined that 39-year-old that a 39-year-old employee of a South Arkansas Timberland uh, Timberland and Sawmill facility, Anthony Timberlands Incorporated, suffered fatal injuries from an automated lumber stacking machine at its Bearden location. Inspectors with the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration found that the employee was cleaning around and beneath the machine in February of 2023 when its hoist table fell on them. Inspectors learned that the company had the lumber stacking system installed in July of 2022 without any barrier devices to prevent employees from entering the area beneath the stacker hoist. OSHA issued citations to the company for four serious violations, including failing to provide lockout tagout procedures to prevent a machine from starting and moving during maintenance. They did not ensure that guards were in place beneath the stacking systems. They failed to provide barriers to stop employees from entering the danger zone. And they did not make sure to have signage in place to warn employees about crushing hazards. The agency proposed $218,759 in penalties for the violation. The relatively high penalty is because this isn't the first time that the company has negligently endangered employees or even the first time that the company's negligence has killed a person. OSHA Area Director Kia McAuliffe in Little Rock, Arkansas, said this company's continued disregard for the safety and well-being of its employees is inexcusable and must stop. Ensuring workers' safety is not optional, it's the law. In August of 2022, OSHA cited the company after an employee at its Malvern 
Cleveland facility suffered fatal injuries when an unguarded sharp chain activated. The agency also cited the employer in January of 2020 when an employee in a Bearden facility suffered a thumb amputation when their finger made contact with an unguarded chipper feeder. The company has 15 days from the receipt of the citation to comply, request an informal conference, or contest the findings. Uh, dishonorable mentions the EEOC alleges that Supreme, a staffing agency, and Barrett, one of Supreme's clients, retaliated against a former account supervisor when the companies removed the employee from the work site after the employee complained about the company's treatment of Hispanic persons. The EEOC further alleges that Barrett and Supreme further retaliated against the employee when they fired him less than two months later. I forgot to include where that happened. Wasn't that Mississippi? think it was Mississippi. More Perfect Union uncovered an illegal scheme by Starbucks to rid itself of unionized locations. It is against the law for employers to assist or encourage decertification attempts of a union, and yet that is exactly what More Perfect Union has uncovered that Starbucks is doing across the country. Mm -hmm. With managers talking about the process and dozens of flyers with information about decertification and contact information for the National Right to Work Foundation, laying around where employees can see them unprompted. Five Norfolk Southern train uh, train cars left the railway near Battelle in the northern part of DeKalb County, Alabama, near the Georgia state line. There are no hazardous materials reported, nor injuries or current threat to life. In 2018, state and local governments in Alabama agreed to pay shipped at least $19 million in combined cash incentives and tax breaks if it met its goals of hiring hundreds of corporate workers and investing in its local presence. The company has failed. Shocking failed to meet its hiring goals and is unclear and it is unclear if they have met the promised 10 million dollar investment in Birmingham in response the government says they will give the company no more incentives with the city Jefferson County and the state's workforce development agency having only paid a measly 3 million dollars to shipped so far for their unfulfilled promises that's going to be it for us today, folks. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Hang out with us for overtime. We're still going to be going live. We're still going to be live for another hour and a half online on YouTube and Facebook if you're listening to us on the radio. So find us over there. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you next week.